Sonic States. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Sonic Talk number 238. It's been uh, a, more, a portentous day for me. Uh, we've been suffering from some malware problems on our ad server, which have now all been sorted out. So hopefully our live viewers are enjoying... Uh, well, a, a shot of me um, in, a, in a T-shirt at this very present moment. Uh, live chat room, obviously, is live on Wednesday at 4pm UK time at sonicstate.com forward slash live. Uh, and that's me, Nick Bat, I'm editor of sonicstate.com, um, which is still just about going on. So, But I just wanted to reiterate, the malware issue is completely sorted. There are going to be a few messages still showing up once in a while, just purely because it takes a little while to propagate. But I can assure you, I got the message from Google about an hour ago saying... It's all right. We've scanned your site. Everything's fine. So we'll be removing that. So anyway, I want to welcome my guests. Uh, we've got a number of people here in the chat room. Um, well, we've got... Let's let's just go there. Let's say um, there's PJ there. PJ's a lovely icon there of um, hands on a piano. PJ Tracy from PJ Tracy Sound. How are you, PJ? You well? Yeah, I'm very well. Thank you. Great to be here. Very sorry to hear about all the troubles you, that you've been having today. Really, no problem. It's uh, just one of those horrible things that happens once in a while, but uh, I've still got to uh, figure out how to deal with it in some f- form or other. Uh, and while we're here, let's uh, let's say also hello to... Let me see. Uh, who have I got here? We'll say hello to Gaz Williams, who's looking there very uh, smart in his... Uh, with a hat. Uh, is that a hat on? And a bass at the same time. How are you, Gaz? Yes, uh, really good, thank you. Um, I'm holding on the base as a little kind of comfort blanket at the moment. It's looking so, very uh, good. Gaz Williams, of course, songsurgeon.co.uk. Uh, he's a songwriter, a producer, engineer, bass player, as you uh, can now see with the bass hanging in there. What is that bass, by the way? That is a GNL L2000. Lovely. Which is Leo Fender's last creation. Uh, what's it sound like? A P bass, something like that? Uh, you can get a nice P bass off it. You can get a jazz bass. It's got, it's got a kind of an array of Ooh. switches and controls on there that let you do lots of cool stuff, really. And uh, it sounds great. It's a real studio. Uh, it's a, it's a, it's a great studio bass. Excellent. Well, I'm glad to see you and it. Thank you very much for joining us. And we'll go back to. Let me see. Oh, there's Dave Spears. Look, let's say hello to Dave Spears. Dave Spears from G4 Software. How you doing, Dave? Hello. Yeah, I'm all right. I nearly went to that opening of the Science Museum, you know, the music thing. That, um, oh, the, the, yes, we talked about it. Is that the curated, um, the history of electronic music, that sort of stuff? Yeah, the opening night was Monday. And well, I don't know s- whether Brian Eno turned up and did it. I didn't do it in the end because EastEnders was on telly. <laughs> <laughs> Why wouldn't you, of course? Why wouldn't you? Uh, well, but but um, thank you very much for joining us today. Uh, EastEnders, of course, not on in the daytime, although I'm presuming it must be quite a struggle not to be watching Jeremy Kyle instead. Yeah, cash in the attic. <laughs> cash in the attic, is it? <laughs> right, well, let's keep going on. Um, I've said hello to PJ. I've said hello to... So that means there must be... Um, let me see who we've got left. We've, well, we've got Rich Hilton there from Hiltonius.com. How are you doing, Rich? Very well, thank you. Good, I'm glad to hear it. I'll flip to the two shot there. Um, been busy for you this week? Are you uh, had a had a good and f- fruitful week? Yeah, yeah, busy and fruitful and all of that. Uh, we're preparing for some uh, charity performances we're doing in the next couple of weeks, and each one involves various guest artists and ah, um, this thing you previously do about, unheard songs. You do such. this kind of thing every year, don't you? Yeah. Yeah, 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 it's uh, it's Niles Foundation. It's called the We Are Family Foundation, and uh, they have a gala each year. And uh, typically, we have some wonderful guests show up, and we play with them. Excellent. Well, I'm glad to hear that. And uh, finally, and certainly by no means leastly, we have uh, Mr. Mark Tinley from LikeBeing.com, sound artist, creative thinker, author, no less. How are you, Mark? Oh, hello. I'm very well. Let me see. I'll, I'll go Sorry over to there. hear about your uh, malware thing. That sounds like a right pain. Yes, it is. I mean, I still haven't solved the problem. It just means I've turned the ad server off. So uh, apart from having no visible means of income for the foreseeable future, it's absolutely fine. The site's at least going until the money runs out. But uh, I, I, I've got some options. I've just got to kind of figure it out. It's because we've been using this software uh, for a long time that is now 
it was open source, then it became commercial and they've stopped supporting it. So now all these back doors and stuff have opened up in it. It means that, you know, we've got to go to the commercial or just change our, our situation completely. So it's just one of those things that uh, one has to deal with. But uh, we're on it. The site will be okay now. I've just got to try and get the, if I can get the ad server going in the next day or two, then, uh, you know, no real harm done, just a little bit of loss of, uh, of revenue. But hopefully that's really all there is to it. Anyway, Mark, I appreciate you coming on. Um, I'm terribly sorry. I didn't actually send you that video camera. You sent me your address, which I oh. obviously know, and I saw it on Facebook yesterday, <laughs> which yeah. was obviously <laughs> so, sort of too late. Yesterday, yesterday evening, which was sort of too late, really, to uh, send you uh, the webcam. But I will do it this week. Uh, send me an this e- is you. I've been indoctrinated by my children who only ever speak to me on Facebook. And I say to them, I sent you an email, and they go, Oh, I don't look at my email anymore. So I've sort of started to move towards using Facebook to communicate with people, which is weird, I suppose. Yeah, well, I just don't don't see anything if it's it's sent that way because that's not somewhere I check all the time. Yeah. I know what to say. What can I say? Nothing really apart from I'm just feeling even more old. Uh, (laughs) How old were you yesterday? I was, was uh, yes, it was yesterday. It was, I'm trying to think, I think I was 47. I think. Excellent. Happy birthday. Thank you very much. That's very kind. Here you go. I'll give myself a lower third just for that. To you. Ah, you're too kind, gentlemen. Happy birthday, Mr. Sonic State. (laughs) Happy malware (laughs) to you. you. (laughs) Right. Um, So, I, I tell you what, I've, I wanted to, uh, one thing that we want to say now is obviously we've had some great new entries to the uh, Sonic Talk theme tune. We're now up to 19 entries, and Ooh. I'm very excited, actually, because some of them Woo-hoo. are absolutely brilliant. Although I'm not, we're, we're still not entirely sure of the uh, source of some of them. I think I might just play one or two. Um, just remember, um, this is the 22nd entry to Sonic Talk uh, theme tune. Uh, you, you'll find links on the site in the show notes. you just got to submit one for us, 20 seconds, and it's... Uh, it's going to, the winner will win a head torch. Uh, I believe uh, either Dave or Rich may or may not be able to model that shortly. This is a sort of joke prize, and we'll also do a little feature. There we go. Look, I think Rich, uh, Rich is putting on the head torch now, and um, Dave can't find his. But nonetheless, there we go. You can see that. So a head torch for looking in those uh, tricky nooks and crannies at the back of your studio and other places. And also you get to win... Um, we do a little feature on you, but I just wanted to play a few quickly because there's a few here. Let me see what I can get running. Let's try. Ah, this is a SonicState.com podcast, baby. SonicState.com. I do enjoy that one. I have a feeling I might know who that is. But I won't say any more at this stage. And this one, I thought this might be uh, somebody else. Good grief. Now, Can you hear it? Uh, sorry? Oh, did I not play it? Oh, I'm sorry about no. that. Well, I, I'll play this one. Well... Let's pretend that you did hear it. One of them sounded a bit like Barry White, and the other one sounded like Public Image Limited, which had a voice that sounded a little bit familiar on it, but uh, I I don't think I'm going to say any more. I I would just like to point out at this stage, probably uh, participants in the show probably be disqualified from actually winning, even though entries themselves might be (laughs) particularly fantastic. Uh, I thoroughly enjoyed. um, But I just wanted to say that anyway, the last one I I, I really enjoyed as well. It didn't see any... Anyway, I'm going to say no more. Let's move on to perhaps the... Let's move on to perhaps the uh, the first topic, which was from PJ, which is a brilliant. This David Byrne talking on TED Talks, and this is a great topic. And I also it will be able to demonstrate my um, now when I press a movie, it opens up the two channels that feeds it back to my participants, and when I press a camera, it switches them off. So hopefully, those Elvis Echo days for you guys participating remotely will be gone. Here it comes. This is the venue where, as a young man, some of the music that I wrote was first performed. It was remarkably 
a pretty good sounding room with all the uneven walls and all the crap everywhere. It actually sounded pretty good. This is a, a song that was recorded there. This is not talking. I'm going to play a bit of this because it illustrates the point. So, the nature of the room meant that words could be understood. The lyrics of the songs could be pretty much understood. The sound system was kind of decent. And there wasn't a lot of reverberation in the room, so the uh, rhythms could be pretty intact, too, and pretty concise. Other places around the country had similar rooms. This is Tootsie's Orchid Lounge in Nashville. The music was in some ways different, but in structure and form, very much the same. The clientele behavior was very much the same, too. And so the bands at Tootsie's or at CBGB's had to play loud enough to... Uh, the volume had to be loud enough to overcome people falling down, shouting out, and doing whatever else they were doing. Since then, I've played other places that are much nicer. I've played uh, the Disney Hall here and Carnegie Hall and places like that. And it's, been very exciting, but I also noticed that sometimes the music that I had written or was writing at the time didn't sound all that great in some of those halls. We managed, but sometimes those halls didn't seem exactly suited. Anyway, I, I would like to uh, basically this this one that's PJ spotted, and actually, um, it's I mean, it's obviously fairly obvious that some of this music is not going to sound good in certain venues, but I think. The, the, the kind of point of uh, David Byrne's argument there or, or presentation was that music has ju- is actually created far more for the space that it is to be performed in than we are perhaps immediately aware. I know that, Rich, you've been, um, you, you're, you think that might be completely obvious, but when I saw the, all the different presentations, I was thinking, well, actually, that's, that's quite interesting in the way that it has been uh, working that way. But PJ, you were the guy who uh, sort of found this, and you, you, we held off because I, I know you wanted to be part of the, the show. Uh, what, um, what did you make of this, and what, what does it mean to you exactly? Uh, what I found interesting in this conversation or this um presentation that David Byrne gave was that it resonates deeply with a conversation that I have ongoing with musicians that I play with. Um, we, uh, the band that I'm currently in, um, we formed around a space, which is my studio space, and the room that we rehearse in is relatively small, but good sounding. So it's um, uh, a room that's about 16 by 12. And there's four of us rehearsing in this room, and it has completely informed the type of music that I that I've composed for the band, and that the bon- the band has generated together, uh, in terms of the dynamic um, content of the music, uh, the instrumentation, the way that the instruments are approached, um, and given that fact, bringing the band out to the public has been an interesting experience because um, there's been a reconditioning process in every single venue that we've, you know, that we've encountered. So we have to kind of either scale up or scale down the sound. And a lot of attention to detail has been, has been paid uh, to that process to being able to make sure that we can go into a very small room, like a, like a gallery foyer and play our entire set and have it be comprehensible to the people there or into a room that's more, um, uh, designed for listening like a jazz club and we can play in a room like that or a room where there's a lot of um noisy talking and and drinking and frivolity going on and make sure that our our set can be intelligible and enjoyable in in a room like that um so it just sort of it resonated with me that yeah absolutely um venue is is uh is key to the to the kind of music that that you might uh compose or perform but uh, more than that, I think that uh, it might, um, if more people were to watch this video or, or sort of uh, embrace this idea, then there might be an on- ongoing discussion about um, how we can incorporate live music into non-traditional spaces, um, because more live music in non-traditional spaces might mean more non-traditional music being created and, and performed globally. I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. It's interesting. Mm-hmm. Do you think that... Um... 
Rich, I mean, no, you probably, I mean, you play with chic, right? And there's lots of disco music generally is kind of tight and rhythmic and requires intelligibility to the rhythm or what have you. What, I mean, do you think there was any element of, I mean, I guess it was written primarily to be played at places like Studio 54 where the sound systems were emerging and it was a tight sort of uh, kind of space to be written. And do you find that there are kind of places where it just does not work when you play it out live? Or is it, does it work pretty much everywhere? Or do you avoid those kind of spaces? I don't think we avoid any spaces on the strength of that sort of consideration. And I haven't seen any specific spaces in which it doesn't work because of the space. Right. And rarely does it not work anyway. But but it, it I don't recall. Oh, I mean... Okay, so as regards chic, yeah, the music works most places that we play. You know, most everywhere yeah. we play it, people love love those songs. And uh, even in big halls these days, with um, really good line array systems, you get pretty good time con- coherence throughout the depth of the crowd. So the kind of precision you need to present a rhythmically complicated event, like as Byrne talks about in his talk. Um, becomes increased in in a venue of that size because the sound systems are so much better, particularly in open air circumstances, but even in uh, hockey rinks or whatever. And I really enjoyed, uh, as to the video, I really enjoyed Byrne and uh, his presentation and uh, the pictures and the stories. And he's he's just a really engaging fellow, and I love his music, so it all tied together with my otherwise broad enjoyment of David Byrne's work. But the, as a subject, I have to say that I this has been obvious to me since almost as long as I can remember playing in different sized rooms. It might have been the first time I went from playing in my piano teacher's house to playing in the auditorium of the high school or something that it occurred to me that you played differently in different sized spaces, like you play differently according to the sum total of the things around you that you perceive and you try to be appropriate to whatever that big picture is and included in that big picture is the size of the room you're in the sound of that room and you know everything else that led up to your being there so um i enjoyed his presentation very much and i've been acutely aware all my life that the size of the space you're in in some level dictates the effectiveness of what you play. So you have to approach your playing from the standpoint of being aware of that space. eBay City Rollers, uh, great handle there, eBay City Trollers, play legato in small rooms and staccato in large rooms. I like that. That's the chat room in full effect there. I think actually, I mean, the, the thing that was quite interesting about it also was the fact that the composition process sort of previous to where you were playing it. I mean, you know, in the same sense that stadium rock, you two started to do stadium rock and people like simple minds where it was big brash things. But then now we have so much control through production of the space and things are generally recorded, you know, generally, I mean, this is a generalization quite close mic'd with, with less of an, a massive room around them. It, do, how does that work in terms of a production sort of scenario? I mean, Gaz, do you find that you're, you're kind of approaching your your recordings with with a nod to how they will be played live. Yeah, no, I, not at all, not at all. Um, but I mean, I'm I'm totally fascinated by different sounding rooms, and uh, I, I love recording in big rooms. But it is when you record in big rooms, it is really kind of. Uh, uh, tempo you know fast songs in big rooms tend to sound really messy and i love slow spacious stuff in big rooms so yeah the, so i think the point is 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 an interesting one um the thing that gets me though with a lot of uh, with 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 this subject though is it just does kind of highlight just how little acoustic treatment gets put into venues by these kind of people you know the people who set up the venues do not put enough acoustic treatment into places uh it's a real problem with a lot of the venues in bristol you know they just uh they just simply don't sound good enough and you know just with just a small investment from the venue you know it would just be so much better therefore 
evening out a lot of this the issues here. It's know, like the um, old adage, oh, well, it'll be all right when the pub shuts, because then the room will... The people, the audience becomes the acoustic treatment, isn't it? <laughs> That's the sort of way it works. Yeah, I mean, it does to a degree, but, I mean, really, so many venues, you know, if they just just respected it a little bit, you know, um, I'm just thinking of certain ones I went, uh, that I go to sometimes in Bristol and just think, oh, man, you know. Like, the other day, I was in a this great place. It's a really nice place, but... And it was a great jazz band playing with some real terrific players uh and i was just irritated by them and there was nothing that they were playing it was just the way that their sound was interacting with the room you know i just was thinking this is this is a terrible situation you know i i, I should be i should be really enjoying this but i just wanted them to shut up <laughs> <laughs> see that that's my point entirely in terms of this conversation is that um you know when when i take my jazz band out to play we we consider that very, very carefully. What's the space that we're playing in? And our our playing style will change often to fit the space. So if we're playing in a larger, more reverberant space or, you know, a non-traditional space like like a hard surfaced gallery space, I notice that the, the band will dynamically adjust to that space so that we integrate well into the space because I feel that it's our job you know, as as either ancillary to what el- well what else is going on in the room, or even as a performance to condition that space and to integrate well into that space. Mm-hmm. So that's what I found fascinating about about this. But not only that, the kind of music that that we actually perform is is engineered so that it can be done, uh, right. you know, on the fly like that. Because we're not playing in large open air stadiums with you know fantastic line arrays or anything like that that sort of uh, neutralize the. Um, you know the need for actually adjusting to the space that you play in so and and we're not playing songs with uh you know that are known that are known quantities generally speaking yep so mark um i suspect that you've probably uh experienced this uh, because obviously been touring a lot and and had to deal with you know a variety of different size venues i mean do you think that you can you as an individual compose with a space in mind yourself i hadn't actually noticed that I did or didn't do that. And I found that talk really interesting. And it really made me think about the music that I've composed over the years and the way in which I've written music. And it's almost, I think the context for me isn't so much the space that I'm composing in. It's like the gear itself can sometimes be the context that you compose in. So I think the the key thing that I picked up that he was speaking about really was that that the room is the context so the so your composition ends up fitting the context so if you're writing in a space you write at kind of right a psychological little thing kind of happens and you end up writing something that works in that space but i think that that, that context could be extended to the gear that you use as well so in terms of artificial spaces and artificial reverbs i know that when i started writing music when i first got my great british spring reverb it (laughs) changed the way that i wrote things and then when i got my hands on a yamaha uh, r1000 digital reverb it changed the way that i did drums again and then completely changed the tempo of compositions and and the way that i kind of built my tracks and then again, as sort of reverb got more and more um, less art- artificial and more and more presentable, so like with things like the elusive, the elusive quad reverb and midi verb and all those sorts of things, it totally changed the way that I was writing music. Right, and, that's interesting. And, uh, so I think that you know, his I think his analogy is really interesting, and I think to an extent that he's right. There's going to be situations where people don't necessarily fit that exactly but but i think that it extends to digital spaces or unnatural or whatever we want to call them like artificial that's the word i'm looking for artificial spaces in the recording studio and uh, and then the final part is that i actually i think i've pretty much got into the mindset of writing my music to sound good in apple earbuds because i've just come to the conclusion that everybody just listens to music on that now and that if it sounds good in there then that's probably the best place for it to sound good so that's an interesting point i mean uh, moral of the story uh harry in the chat room said should singers be allowed to have reverb in their headphones that's an interesting question i know dave spears have you been quiet so far Uh, uh, do you find that 
that you could, that that this that this phenomena affects you what the way that you make music as well. I mean, because now obviously we've got a ability to kind of create any kind of space we want. Is that your phone? Yes, it is. <laughs> Hold on one second. That'll be Bristol Academy. Just one second. Bristol Academy. Don't you bloody criticize my venue? <laughs> that, that is a particularly stinking venue as well i hate that place i really and if you compare that to like colston hall colston hall's just beautiful to play in and that's even from an audience point of view but the academy is just horrible cavernous yes. ugh, metal haven't played there sorry about that folks uh, <laughs> but it was uh work um, I'm working on a track with that Flood is working on, so I have to answer the phone immediately when that call comes. <laughs> as one would, nice. as one would have thought. Um, anyway, I, I, we could spend ages on this topic, I think, but I, I think uh, very nicely found, and it is. I thoroughly recommend it if you get the chance. It's on a TED Talk. Uh, TED is a sort of—I t- can't remember what it stands for—but it's just full of really interesting thinkers talking for. I think they can talk for up to ten minutes about uh, any subject they like, and there's some brilliant stuff on there. It's been going for years. There's thousands of resources. That one was from uh, 2010 uh, February, but uh, yeah, really, really enjoyed that. And I suppose that's probably a good time to maybe bring in uh, a message from our sponsor. And we will uh, wanted to just say uh, thank you very much to Yamaha for their continued sponsorship of the show. Uh, there, want to tell you about if you're watching the video stream, which I thoroughly recommend you do. The uh, new pocket track recorders are not so new, but they're still very much best in class in terms of size and performance. We've got the C24 and W24. The W24 has uh, a wireless remote control, which is extremely handy for uh, maybe if you're mounting it in a live situation and you want to be able to pause it between tracks and just stop and start and put IDs and what have you in. Very, very handy. 24-bit, 96K recording, superior battery life, XY-configured stereo microphone for superior recording. Also got a line in uh, if you want to. The peak limiter, quick startup, ready in four and a half seconds, which is astonishing. Uh, actually, really, really fast. Comes with Cubase AI5. It's got tuner and metronome. You can change the pitch, I think, of the <coughs> of the recording for slowing down for transcode, uh, for transcribing, that sort of thing. Very, very small. The C24 is probably the smallest the world's smallest 24-bit 96K pocket recorder. Uh, Again, very fast startup. USB recording. Weighs only two ounces, 57 grams. Uh, Micro SD cards um, is where it records. And what we recommend is uh, Yamaha would like you to go and check out your local Pulse store in the UK where you can try one out. If you go in with a memory stick, you can get them to transfer some audio to it and take a listen to the recording, see what you think of them. You know, they could be something that you you don't realise you've been missing all that quality. And if you're in the US, uh, just head for a large dealer and ask to try out the pocket track. That's the pocket track from Yamaha C24 and W24. Anyway, we're back again. Um, so let's have a look and see what our next topic should be. We, uh, we uh, I was, I think I might miss the uh, Sonic Replicator. Does anybody have any strong feelings? Do we want to have a look at the uh, iMachine? Um, I, the iMachine. Yeah, let's have a look at the iMachine um, because it's. Well, I bought that. Did you? Oh well, in that case, we we most certainly better. So I'm going to play that now. This is Jamie Liddell, who is uh, actually a really good soul singer. As they, uh, the Derek and Clive uh, sketch goes, the uh, the Americans have their soul singers, and we have our soul singers. <laughs> I'll just fast forward it a little bit to where he starts singing, because it really does kind of come to life then. Apparently one take this was on the iMachine app. Let's get to the... I'm saying to you They have relationships now I'm telling you we're through There ain't no busy way to get out here Anyway, he goes on, he sings the song, then he goes downstairs. Let me see if I can find it to that bit. And it's got the most beautiful looking studio room when he gets out of bed. His girlfriend doesn't seem to be very bothered with him. Uh, here he goes. Hell yeah. Now, that's a creative process I would certainly like to have the ability to be able to come with. Obviously, I can't sing anything like as well as uh, Jamie Liddell, or Liddell, however it's pronounced. Um, Gaz, 
and Dave, you both appear to have bought this. Now, I don't suppose you have Machine, do you? Oh, look, there's Gaz with a copy of Machine in his hands there. Uh, and I'm not sure if Dave Dave does. Dave's looking for his uh, his computer now. But so, um, what what were your thoughts? Have you loaded it? Is it does it do all the things that uh, that it seems to to say that it wants to in there? I mean, or are we uh, are we really again being impressed by Jamie Little's um, ability? Well, it was him that made me buy it. As soon as I saw that, I went, "I'll get that." You're a fan of Jamie Little, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm sure. I'm, and now I remember. I'm pretty sure you 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 said you mentioned it. So, um, so okay, you've downloaded it. I think it's what is it? It's three four nine. It's a fiver. It's not much, you know. And it, it, it integrates with machine. I don't suppose anybody has machine itself, so I'm not. I can't uh, find out whether or not that's the case. So, Gaz, I know you're you're a recent convert to the i iOS platform with uh, your per- purchase of the iPad in recent weeks. How did it work for you? Um, it's okay. It's a disappointment to be absolutely frank. Oh. There's aspects, yeah. There's aspects of it which are okay, but I think compared to what else you can get, I mean, it's sort of it's a little bit. It's okay. Oh, it's really weird. We, it did actually bring quite an interesting idea up, which is, you know, when it comes to these iOS apps, we demand so much for so little money, you know. And uh, I mean, it it cost uh, it cost me two ninety nine UK pounds. Uh, so it was on special, was it? Yeah, well, I think maybe uh, like a launch. Ah, uh, yes, no, four ninety nine US dollars. Sorry. Right. Okay. So you know, I mean, what you know, so for that, it's brilliant. So I mean, I feel a bit churlish to even criticise it. Uh, it sounds good. I mean, I don't know if you can hear this here. Um, is that coming through? A little bit, yeah. So, yeah. I'll turn it up a little bit more. A little bit more. Um, more. A little bit more. In the words of the song. Jamie Liddell's song, Multiply, is amazing. Everyone should check that song out. It is so good. Um... Are these sounds that you just get with the machine itself? Because well, um, I noticed that they allow you to, to, to buy in, in-app purchases, and you know, that's obviously where they're going to hook you in. A little bit extra yeah. sound packs and what have you. That's right. I mean, I think the thing is, what you find with it is um, the sequencing capabilities of it are very, very basic. You've just got a record button, and and you just you can play something in, and you can have uh, record quantization turned on. Uh, after the fact, there, there's no grid edit. There's no kind of drum. Right. There's no uh, step sequencing on it at all. There's no way to. All you can do is uh, you can kind of uh, erase. You know, you can just go into the erase mode, hold the pad down and take out drums that sounds that you don't want. But there's no way to actually sort of get in there and uh, tweak with it particularly. Well, I presumably um, you can if you download it, offload it into your uh, Mac and you have machine or PC and you have machine on there, then presumably you can get yeah. to things. I don't know. I, I mean, re- I think this is this is it really. I mean, there's this, this two things this product is. One of them is that um, if you are a machine user, then yeah, maybe you you might want to sort of do that but um i would assume if you're a machine user you'd want to do it on your machine anyway <laughs> well, unless you're in the park or lying in bed in the morning yeah yeah i guess so i guess so I, but i mean i think really uh the in-app purchases of sound banks and stuff is something that they're probably sort of really uh anticipating it it being where it's successful because when you load up patches there is really very little you can do to the uh, to the sounds. You can adjust the pitch, the gain, and the pan, uh, but that's about it. Um, there is a you can record your own samples into it, uh, but again with only very limited uh, functionality. And there's no way of adjusting the start points and uh, end right. points. Or so you know, it's it's. I think that's the thing. Really, it's it's so very simple. And when you compare it to something like Nano Studio, which albeit is fractionally more expensive, a couple of quid more expensive. Um, they're fairly incomparable, really, in terms right. of the sort of the, pa- the power of the devices. But again, you know, we're talking about something that costs cost me just around three quid. Yeah. You know? What are we, what are we really expecting? Um, yeah. Rich, I noticed you, uh, you look like you were, you itching to come in there. Sorry if I can, oh dear, I'm getting a bit switched. Oh no, I was waving at somebody. But, oh. um, <laughs> I haven't tried it. It looks really nice. I think Gaz's review is outstanding and really illuminates for me some issues that weren't obvious in the demo videos that I saw. I was unfamiliar with this singing dude and really impressed with how completely dis, like, 
disaffected his wife was or his girlfriend or whoever <laughs> yeah. with his whole performance she was yes. so completely unimpressed like if the reason uh, why you bought day. your first guitar was to get the girl i guess that's not why you're buying this software based on that <laughs> promo video <laughs> well he already uh, got the girl uh, apparently so and she sure doesn't give much of a well anyway um, <laughs> and he sings great i had never heard this guy before he's fantastic i was really impressed um he's great the fact that you can't edit in any way other than the way Gaz has just described is an enormous limitation and seems to me to be a huge oversight. It would be easy to do to provide a grid editing environment that would supplement your already basic drum machine focus. Right. And uh, that's really weird to me. But other than that, I can understand why it's a little be successful because it does provide the proverbial spigot into your bank account once you yeah, decide yeah, totally. you like the thing that you can open up wide and start selling things through, you know, um, which is, I guess, the definition of a successful app product these days. Yeah. Dave, you downloaded it as well, yeah? Yeah, and a couple of drum kits. All right, okay. And how was the experience for you? Yeah, kind of, yeah, that's what Gaz said. I was kind of intrigued to look at it uh, in relation to our drum, which obviously I like, particularly from a kind of graphics perspective. But what struck me about this, I mean, pretty much everything that Gaz said, I agree with, uh, and you do feel a bit churlish criticising something that costs so little money. But what did strike me is, for quite a while, we've constantly been asked for light versions of our products as sort of teasers for, so for example, you'd give them away on a, what you'd either, your distributor would give them away or you put them on a cover mount CD or something like that. And that would be a kind of teaser for your, main product yeah and this suddenly it suddenly struck me with something like iMachine that in effect it's like a paid teaser for the big machine yeah so from that aspect i found it quite interesting it's like a kind of demo version expanded but with a view but to you pay for it. And it yeah 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 in, in that element it's quite clever obviously you've got to support it which is a whole another element but uh yeah it was interesting I liked it. I mean, there were certain elements of it I really did like, and I did download another kit. I think I paid a couple of quid for that. I, but I, anything I, that Jamie Little's going to do, I'm going to buy. So. Right. <laughs> yeah. I'm just going to just interject the the patches that you know the the kits that it comes with. It does have a really good sound, actually. It does sound good. So I mean, well, you'd think so. I mean, they got gigs and gigs and gigs of stuff to play with. I mean, you should imagine they put a couple of decent drum sounds in there. You'd imagine. My problem with all of this yeah. stuff, though, is that I just use all of this stuff for a finite period of time, and I kind of go, yeah, that was good, that was fun, and then I put it down. Like, I can't even find my phone now. <laughs> you can't, right. That's how That's how, how on hand you want it, eh? Would you like me to ring you up, then? <laughs> oh, I've got that special thing where it says, oh, no, it'll probably just Help, tell I'm me lost. it's in my house. Yeah, yeah. yeah of course. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> It doesn't say <laughs> under the desk <laughs> by the wastebasket. <laughs> uh, so, um, um, Mark and PJ, I mean, um, you're not uh, – well, Mark, you're an iPhone user. Did you get a hold of this? Or, I mean, is this the sort of – do you really think you're going to be using it for anything meaningful or is it just a sort of, you know, a bit um, of a laugh? I'm um, – I'm, what is the word? I'm overloaded with, with iPhone apps now, I think. Right. And I've got one that blows all the other ones away. FL Studio Mobile is just absolutely brilliant. And I can dump everything that I do in that straight into the laptop and just expand on what I've been playing around with or change it completely or right. whatever I want to do. So if so I, the, that, mod, that, that model does, train, but that model is working then. So you've got a light version of, of a piece of software you regularly use and then you transfer it. So it does work. I mean, that whole kind of transitional... Yeah, I, yeah. Yeah, it does work, yeah. And mm. and now they've changed the way that you load things in and out of, I don't know, maybe it was from iOS 4 and a bit. They sort of made it so that you can bring you can bring a page up in iTunes and you can sort of just load stuff into a folder directly and put your samples into your sequencer really simply so you can upload or you can download the sequences that you've made and just kind of bounce things back and forth and it's just I don't know. It just works. Mm, Good. Interesting. Rich, I, don't, then, I, I couldn't help but notice that, you, uh, that you're going to get an iPhone there in the chat room. You've, your dirty secret is out. 
Yes, it's true. On Friday, I will be receiving my first iPhone. Ah. Woohoo! I've had, I've, I've got, and, and by the way, my iPod touches for sale. Um, <laughs> and I've, and I've got an iPad next to, I've had every other product practically they've ever made other than Apple TV. But, uh, I now will have an iPhone 4S and I'll try talking to it. And see what happens. <laughs> uh, yes, and see if we can. My, my only problem with having an iPhone and not an iPad is that my in the last year my eyesight has just dramatically gone wrong. Yeah, me too. So yeah, I've that's now got the thing so far away from me to see the screen. It's just I don't know, and I can't get on with glasses at all. I just I just I don't know. I'm going to have to get some really big glasses, big autistic glasses. <laughs> oh, I know. Uh, so P- PJ, I mean I'm guessing um this this probably doesn't have the same level of appeal or I don't know. I mean, but just no. the, the notion of a kind of intermediately sort of thing. I mean it's like the idea of the the little field recorder you have in your pocket the whole time and you take it back and you work on it with, you know, in your main facility. Is that something does this kind of apply? I mean, is this something that you could feel yes. yourself using? Yeah. No, absolutely. Absolutely. As a matter of fact, um, I have an iPod Touch. I didn't download this application. I just I got around to watching this video this morning. But um, I've been orbiting around the decision to purchase machine for a little while, and I think um, I'm going to pull the trigger on that either oh, today okay. or tomorrow. You're going to get the micro yeah. or the the full thing? No, the big the big one. Yep. Uh, I really really like working that way. I I. I really like the kind of groove box approach to making certain styles of music and uh the portability of something like that really appeals to me but um i it struck me halfway through this video or actually actually at the end but halfway through watching it again i went back and watched it again because i really enjoyed um jamie liddell's performance that he was demonstrating exactly how this product is intended to be used it's it's really intended to be and i think dave illuminated another value to the product in that it's an extended demo but this product is intended to be just a little post-it notepad for people that own machine at least that's the way they're selling it with that video so he even he even uses the limitations or shows some of the warts of the of the product in that he picks a kit at random presumably builds a beat from it and then start singing in an entirely different key so at first when he starts singing i'm thinking "Ooh, that doesn't work very well and he's in he's like everybody's illuminated he's a fantastic singer but it's he's going against the grain of that of the tone of that groove and then at the end of the video he takes the thing down to his studio and presumably offloads it and then goes in and tweaks and i'm assuming will you know create instrumentation that will support what he's sang into the into the machine but as a little notepad that thing's great. That's mm. fantastic. And then the ability to take that idea, the demo idea, right off your little four track and put it right into a piece of software that will immediately translate it into an editable environment. That's that's really cool. And for five bucks, yeah, great. Pretty impressive. Pretty think, impressive. And the, yeah. the, the, as uh, yeah. the march of machine uh, continues, doesn't it? I mean, we are. I, I, I'm hoping to get hold of Micro when they become available, so we can just have a look at it because it's not an environment I'm familiar with. But I would like to certainly uh, just kind of get familiar with it, and I will be in touch with Native Instruments to try and get one in for review. Um, oh, incidentally, I had the uh, the modular has been in for review. We, uh, I'll point to it there. We've had the Pittsburgh modular. I've actually finally got the review. I'm going to publish it. I didn't publish it today because the site was down. There didn't seem to be an awful lot of point, frankly. Um, but um, this is the sound of the generator and stuff. It's a very uh, interesting set of, uh, set of stuff. So watch out for the next instalment on the on the modular, and that's going to be some Pittsburgh modular stuff. So um, let me see. What else have we got? Uh, we, we could we, – well, let me see. Um, does anyone want to look at um, deep analysis or, uh, or perhaps um, – one of the other topics that we haven't got round to because they're, they're such all-encompassing ones. I'm happy to take uh, take advice on where you'd like to go with this. So uh, we've done David Byrne, the Sonar Replicator and the Room Simulation stuff um, could do. Uh, the deep analysis of the Prodigy. Not what's, necessarily... what is the, what's the Room Simulation stuff? I don't know what that is. Uh, Sonar Replicator. That was uh, if I show you. Oh, right? okay. All right, that was uh, and VRM box and those kind of things. What does everybody feel? You can, I can see your little heads there, uh, so you can give me thumbs up. What which one you prefer? Uh, room simulators, analysis of pop music. 
uh, or um, the propeller heads reason. I'm not getting much feedback here, guys. So <laughs> I'll go with the Sona replicator, but I didn't realise that, that I had anything to do with room. Uh, well, I suppose it's not room. It's emulation. It's not emulation of room. It's emulation of speakers, isn't it? Really, I suppose. All right, let me just do a quick ad from uh, our other sponsors. Uh, I just want to say thank you very much to Mac Pro Video. Uh, as you can see here, Mac Pro. If you're watching the video stream, I'm on the MacProVideo.com website, where there are a ton of video tutorials on all kinds of audio stuff. We've got uh, Ableton Live, Cubase, GarageBand, Isotope products. Celemony, Melodyne, Logic Pro, Mainstage, various MIDI, Native Instruments, Reason, Sibelius, Sound Booth, Pro Tools. I mean, the list goes on. This is just a selection here. So I want to say, if you want to save 20% on any of these uh, downloadable tutorials, just go to sonicstate.com forward slash MPV. It'll save you 20% on any download purchase. And there are, I don't know how many hundreds. I mean, this is just a small selection. There are so many here. So once again, we want to say save 20% on any MP4 download tutorials at macprovideo.com by visiting sonicstate.com forward slash MPV. Right, um, so I will go to Sonic Replicator. Um, let's have a look. So this is, yeah, we've got a couple of things here. This is, first of all, there's the, um, let's see if I can do, oh, I'm quite like that. Right, let me just get that there. I can zoom in. This is a, a plug-in for, um, it's actually, unfortunately, only Windows, um, but it got me thinking about just these kind of things generally. It allowed you to... Uh, turn your PC speakers and headphones into, into acoustic replication of better ones. And now, of course, uh, we're, when we're talking about these things, this is only available for, for PC. This is only 29 bucks, and it's a shame it's not available for more platforms, but that's just the way it goes. But nonetheless, um, we did do uh, a review of the VRM box, which is a Focusrite product, which is, again, it's, it's like a sort of headphone amp that allows you to emulate certain speakers. I'll just so play a little bit of video target. here. Uh, so this is the, the software. You can see a little virtual room there, a virtual studio. Um, and you can choose through some little virtual speakers on the side here. Um, and let's just explain what's going on. The virtual rooms, which we have a professional studio, a bedroom, and a living room, are created using mathematical formulas. Um, and then the response of the speakers is actually simulated by using uh, convol convolution impulse responses. I just wonder, I mean, is there a place for this in, you know, have you ever heard this work? I don't know, Rich, I imagine you probably get people come to you all the time going, hey, check this out, you can make your crappy speakers sound like a whole bunch of different ones. I mean, I don't know. Is it something that you think, I mean, are we getting close? Is it going to happen, do you think? I, I couldn't hear it on their website, so I, I can't really comment on his software. Um, all I can say is it's interesting that last week we talked about a guy that's trying to eliminate <laughs> the effect of the room on the audio, and this week we're talking about a guy who's trying to enhance the effect of the room on the audio. Or, or certainly, that well, I mean, it's like micro room, if you're just talking about bringing the speakers into into play, making your, your rubbishy speakers sound a bit like better ones. I'm just illustrating the contrast between his... Yeah. ...approach to making life better and last week's guy's approach to making life better. <laughs> And I think life is pretty good. <laughs> but I haven't heard this guy's product. I tried to listen to it. I really couldn't hear it for some reason and uh, didn't get a gist oh, that's of a his product. I, could, yeah, I, I, mean, so I, did, I, I couldn't really tell. I mean, I could tell that there was some sort of modeling or, or you could hear that there was... It sounded like EQ. I wasn't entirely sure. But I wonder if, it, if it's possible to actually be able to to do this because obviously you're kind of you're creating something that's not there in the first place. So if the speakers are not of the same size or dimension or whatever, then how does it, how could it possibly work? It's like, it's like magic, isn't it? Surely. Anybody care to? Just, surely they just replicate the tonal characteristics of those speakers. So if you had something like NS10s, they'd be incredibly flat. I don't know. I remember this with, do you remember that Antares mic modeler all those years ago? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was that looking at that the other day, actually, funnily enough. Which they've re-released recently. Uh, have they? Yeah. they? Haven't they they've incorporated it into another product? I mean, I wonder, are we getting to the stage where this thing, you know, because we've we've nailed that, you know, Melodyne has sorted out, you know, to a massive degree, the amount of stuff we can do with what we thought was impossible. You know, we've got brilliant convolution reverbs. Are we now getting to the situation where we're going to be able to actually realistically model something that is going to be a, an appreciably better experience for 
most listeners using that kind of technology? No. I, I've and been looking at you this, right? Am, yes. I, am I talking over someone? No, go, Mark. No, go ahead, Mark. Okay. I've been looking at it, and I just can't see that it's anything other than a, a match EQ kind of thing that's reasonably well into, integrated into Winamp as a plug-in. Because when you listen... Well, first of all, I think the cheaper headphones sound better to my ears. Anyway, I prefer the sound of the cheaper ones. But, uh, but when, you look at, when you look at the way that the software looks like it works, it looks like it does exactly the same thing as the Match EQ in Logic. And although it's quite hard for me to use the Match EQ in Logic to monitor uh, in terms of monitoring uh, everything that I do, in that I would have to put the, set, the the same settings and the same plugin across the master, I suppose, of yeah. every session that I did. I can't see that this really does anything different to like, you know, twenty years ago when some guy would walk into your room with a whole load of white noise and blast white noise around, and then get your speakers flat, and that was kind of the goal, wasn't it? To get to find a nice listening position and get the whole thing flat. Mm. And so what's new here? What, what am I missing? Because, because I just totally, you know, you spray white noise down an Apple earbud and record it back in through another microphone and you'll either record the characteristics of the earbud or the microphone. If you use a reference mic, you're going to record the characteristics of the earbud. If, you use, if I spray my white noise down my Apple earbud and in through my binaural microphones, I'm basically matching matching the microphone to the earbud that's what i've actually done when i was doing some of the recordings that i've been doing binaural recordings i've matched the eq to the earbud by doing that so what's different that's a good question i mean i i'm not entirely sure (laughs) that's i i thought i was asking the questions now i'm completely flummoxed Mm -hmm. Uh, i maybe um in the chat room there's some that it costs 29 bucks instead of like 500 quid or Maybe something. so. Uh, Harry, uh, I'm guessing, is Howard uh, Scar in the chat room. Solemony could do a deconvolution reverb eliminator, which is an interesting concept. Ah, uh, I want that. Uh, I like that that sounds like a pretty good idea. I like that. Yeah, I do. Yeah, like, I, I, I'm not sure how you would do that. Uh, but um, eBay City yeah. Trollers composition modeling turn a <coughs> song into a hit. Uh, yes. Well, I mean, there's a lot of... I mean, I think that maybe, do you think this is a whole area that has not actually properly been explored yet? Because we've seen, as you know, with Dave, with your instruments, you know, with other um, software instruments, the modeling process and this component modeling kind of process becoming incredibly sophisticated and really, really uh, very difficult to tell between, you know, the original and the and the model and yet you know that obviously with ambience and, the, and space around things there are there's much more complicated um things going on because we've got dealing with the shape of the air and you know perception and all those sort of things i mean are we are we getting closer i mean is it going to be are we you know it must be improving it's possible i don't know i can't really comment i mean it's just sort of it strikes me as a bit odd most of it like we said last week seems to be kind of phase cancellation stuff or eq kind of stuff or yeah incorporation of convolution you know impulse recordings it's some to me it just seems quite elementary at the minute right compared to you know modeling analog components which is hideously complicated i mean it seems that they're they're just integrating something that we've had for a long time a little bit better right which is great I think it's a good thing that this thing well, exists. So it's, it's part it's of the process. So we got, but we got, I mean, it just seems to me like we're going to get a, a, a you know, a, a quantum shift again, like we had, like, like we had with Melodyne DNA, like we've had with, you know, like I say, certain uh, software emulations of instruments has become just incredibly realistic from not very good. Well, I, I kind of want to address this question from two standpoints. First of all, the application of external ambience to fully mixed material has been tried now for 30 years. When I was doing home theater installations in the mid-80s, there were devices that did that. Lexicon actually was a player in that home entertainment world for a while. And it's been tried in all kinds of different ways over many, many different... Like I said, around 1980-81, Bob Carver had sonic holography built into some of his devices. So there's been a lot of different attempts at that. The most... But when we talk about the application of software analysis to playback systems in general, 
One of the most impressive things I've heard in the last few years was a Genelec demo conducted in a pretty crappy sounding room where they had a software means by which they measure your room and perform some sort of compensation in their speakers. It was a very, very expensive system, but I heard an enormous difference in the clarity and in the sound staging and the frequency balance was no the worse for wear. And there was no phase anomaly that I could hear. And it sounded really pretty spectacular. So from the broad perspective of applying uh, software in an audio playback environment, I think there's room for good things to happen. But as it relates to sticking some kind of impulse response on the back end of somebody else's mix, it's not something that terribly uh, interests me. I am. Um, I mean, you, you'd have to physically divide your room up into three-dimensional space, and you'd have to put a, a, a reference mic uh, once every foot or once every hundred ah. millimeters or something and then you'd have to take a specific measurement in three dimensions and you'd have to then design a piece of software that knew the time delays for every single one of those measurements and could then do something very clever to compensate in the speakers to do it and it would only work in your room right. and then if you brought a vase of flowers and it would bugger the whole thing up <laughs> Gaz you sounded like you were uh, you, you wanted to interject there well, I've got the KRK Ergo system in my in my studio, which is pretty much what Mark was just saying. It's a uh, it's a physical device. It's like uh, it sits kind of pretty much in the middle of my desk with a big volume control on it, and it does some uh, clever EQ basically. And it comes with a uh, it comes with a um, measurement mic, and you have to then carry out a sequence of. E- it does like a kind of calibration process where it plays this kind of weird noise out of both speakers at separate times and you have to move the mic around and it builds like a three-dimensional image response of the room. Uh, I think it's Lingdorf technology that's the underlying thing in it, Uh, room correction. I can't quite remember. But um, the... uh, the principle is that, that it'll just kind of, uh, it'll excite the room with a load of frequencies and then it'll kind of figure out sort of uh just you know an eq an eq curve to apply right pretty much but but it's doing that in the physical box and actually the way i've got mine set up is i've got a digital out coming from my motu and feeding that uh but you can actually use it as a firewire device uh albeit very simply but um the thing i would say about it because uh there's been a a fair old debate about this subject that i've uh that i've read and especially on like gear slots, places like that, uh, where a lot of naysayers are saying that it just can't work. Uh, they do claim that it only works on frequencies below 500 hertz, that you still need sort of acoustic dampening to, um, to soften the top end. Uh, however, what wow. I was going to say, from my own perspective, it makes a huge difference to my sound because you can bypass it. You can press the button on there and it'll actually turn off the... Um, it'll turn off the the processing so you can directly a b it and when you do that you can really hear what it's actually doing and it's very interesting because one of the things where it really really helps is it really helps with the uh uh the the stereo image it just becomes so much more solid and the bottom end just becomes so much more sweet so for me a big thumbs up for that technology i think it's really good and that's yeah and because uh, I do a lot of mastering, and uh, so, you know, what is, so is... Tell, what is that? So what is that again? Tell me, um, it's the KRK Ergo. It's like, uh, yeah, by the the, mon- the the monitor manufacturers, KRK. Is it um, expensive? Uh, no, it's well, it's about five hundred quid. Right. So that's for the it's... the system outside of the speakers, right? Just the system itself. Yes. Uh, okay. Yeah, because IK Multimedia do a similar thing. Yeah, it's is, ARC. Uh, I think it's called the ARC. Yeah, but I mean, for me, I thought with the ARC, you know, I, uh, I just, I just like the idea of the physical unit. And to be honest, uh, the KRK Ergo is a really well-built unit, and it's actually got a terrific headphone amp on there. And the converters that it's using are, are they the Burr Brown ones? I'm not sure, but it's using. For the money, you're actually, it's actually a very good, it's actually a really high-quality headphone amplifier for the money as well. So it's, uh, you know, it is actually a very good unit. 
Excellent. Well, thank you very much. That, that's a top tip. I, PJ, I know, um, you haven't actually uh, contributed yet. Do you find that, do you use any any kind of automatic room correction or any of this kind of stuff on your for your listening environment, or do you just kind of get the, the damping and what have you right? Uh, currently, I don't, but I uh, in the past, when I had a much smaller room, I used the KRK ARC system for for a little while. Um, I found... I found that it did that didn't seem to work very well for me, but uh, I know some people that have that have had uh, very good results with that system, and uh, also other systems that are similar, um, like like the ah. one that Gaz is speaking up, you know, speaking about. In terms of um, that kind of technology, I think that there's a like like Gaz and Rich are saying. I think that there's a good horizons for that that kind of thing i think it's getting better and better all all of the time but in terms of the, these kind of little plugins that um you know that are meant to t- attack ambiences and e- complex eq curves on the back end of already pre-recorded mixes i think um obviously these aren't meant to to be critical um you know they're not meant for critical monitoring purposes so if the end user whoever that may be subjectively likes the result of sticking whether it's a you know an impulse response on on a mix that's supposed to make it sound like a better pair of speakers or an arena a football arena on the back end of their favorite song to make it sound like supposedly sound like they're sitting in a stadium listening to the band then great if they really like that then i'm all for it and if it uh you know, if 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 these guys like coming up with these algorithms and put and putting the functionality into their software, and people are responding well to it, then I'm all for it. But in terms of it being any kind of uh, paradigm shifting technology, I I just don't see that. And including devices like, although although I I have to say I haven't tested it out, but the device like the VRM box where it's supposed to give you a sense of of listening to a stereo image from speakers while wearing headphones. I think right now these things tend to be more like um, gimmicks than actually real, real usable tools. Yeah. I mean, I, sorry. Yeah. Go guys. I'd just like to jump in there and just say, cause I've just been experimenting with a plugin called uh, Redline. Uh, it's, uh, it, I think it's called Redline uh, 112 DB. I think it's a company that makes it. It's a, uh, it's a headphone simulator uh, to, to replicate the monitor experience, but rather than it, mo- rather than it um, modeling itself on speakers, what it does is it's basically a, a way of just, it's like a clever way of applying crossfeed, like a bit of the left and a bit of the right uh, and, and some other things. But what you do is um, you listen with your monitors and then, you mute the monitors and listen with your headphones and you make these little adjustments uh, until you get the the kind of mix roughly the same in your headphones and in your speakers. And uh, I've just only had a little play with it, but it's actually, it's actually pretty good. And when you bypass that, it, you know, that's the thing that you strap across the master outs, uh, uh, you know, in, inside your door. But uh, when you do actually listen, it does definitely improve the headphone experience. It does bring it a lot closer to a... Um, to a monitor experience, which I think for a lot of people who haven't got the ability to monitor at the levels you need to work at, um, you know, anything, any developments in this area, I think is really, really good. You know, for instance, there's, you know, working on your laptop with your headphones on, you know, if you can kind of improve those aspects there, I think that's a really, really important Area, yeah, I mean, so. most most of these situations, uh, I mean, the VRM box is really just to give you a variety of different listening experiences so that you might think, oh, God, I didn't notice the bass was so lumpy in, you know, on the when I listened in this, in this space. And then you go back and listen again. Actually, yes, I could. Uh, it, it, that, it's very much for that. It's for corrective and just check because we all check mixes on different systems and what have you. So, I mean, that, I suppose that's it. I'd love to continue um, this. It's a fascinating subject, but unfortunately, uh, we're running out of time. Um, uh, and I've got to uh, get back and um, rebuild an ad server very shortly. So I want to say thank you very much to everybody for joining us. It's been a great, um, a great podcast as ever. And thank you to everybody in the chat. I think we had quite a bumper crop. So obviously the uh, warning, this site is completely harmful. If you visit it, it must have subsided, or at least our listeners have decided not to uh, take any notice of it. Good on you. That's all I can say. Good on you. So... Um, 
I would like to say thank you very much to everybody for joining us this week. It's been a, a great fun as ever. Uh, we'll go to our Skypers there. We'll say goodbye to PJ Tracy, PJ Tracy Music Emmy-winning composer. Thanks for joining us and uh, uh, for tossing in a couple of those topics. Brilliant stuff. Oh, thank you. And great pleasure as always to have these discussions and... Uh... I look forward to the next one. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, but we got Gaz Williams over there as well, who's uh, looking resplendent in his green wall. He looks like he's about to show me something. I'm going to show you something very, very quickly. This is called the iRiff port for any iOS users. It's uh, it's a little thing there. Plugs in the ah, bottom. Yeah. It's got a built-in, got a built-in jack lead. It's got this goes into your guitar. But you can notice very cleverly. Ah, yeah. You told us about that last week. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. So I just thought I'd just show everyone. Uh, and there's a line out there that's not affected by the headphone hour. So, Nifty. Uh, yeah, just just showing everyone that. Does it work with everything, or is it uh, only some software compatible? It seems to work with most things, but some things that doesn't let that don't let you uh, specify uh, the left or the right channel of the right. input. Uh, it only comes out on one side because um, it's only like a mono in device. So. Uh, so mostly, mostly compatible, but, um, right. Okay. Few, but yeah. Okay. Just mentioning it because I think it, it's a very neat thing. I kind of prefer it with the iPhone than the, than the iPad. Uh, but you can imagine, you know, uh, I guess because it's all an integrated unit Absolutely. with the cable, you know, it's, it's neat. Okay. All right. Well, thanks Gaz. Songsurgeon.co.uk. Thank you very much, Gaz Williams. And we'll go back to, uh, let's say goodbye to Mark Tinley because we can see him over there as a static icon, as is his one. Thank you very much, Mark, for likebeing.com for joining us. Now, I will send you uh, a video camera this week. So uh, hopefully that means okay. that you will be able to join us. Uh, you'll be a moving image as well. For those of you who are watching the, the live stream, thank you very much. SonicState.com forward slash live. apologise for giving my laptop away to my son. Oh, that's all right. Really? That's, slight lack it's of family, support. isn't it? Family. <laughs> anyway, thank you very much, Mark. And um, we'll also say goodbye to Dave Spears, g4software.com. Thank you very much for joining us, Dave. Uh, very Thank you very much. much. You're, you're... I, just, I want to plug something very quickly. Please do. My nipper and a couple of mates this Saturday are swimming the distance of the English Channel. Oh, my God. Marsden Charity, Marsden Cancer Charity for kids. Wow. Uh, so if I've done anyone a favour out there, they should go to justgiving.com forward slash 32k hyphen swimathon forward slash one and donate a quid. And if they don't, Com. I'm not going to speak to forward them. Forward slash anything. what? What's it? Type <laughs> it in the chat room. Type in the chat room. Yeah. 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 Just send the link, please. Are you in the chat room? Justgiving.com, what is it? Oh, I'll send it to you in a bit. All right, yes. Oh, well, thank you very much. And good luck to, uh, to your daughter and her friends. 32 kilometers. That's a long way, isn't it? Uh, and we seem to have Rich Hilton there, who's uh, popped up. Thank you very much for joining us. Also, Rich, been a pleasure as ever to have you. Hiltonius.com. Always a pleasure, Nick. Thank you. And thank you very much. And uh, finally, uh, let's see. We got, we've got we uh, PJ Tracer. Have I done... Oh, sorry, I'm, I'm losing, I'm losing the, the, um, my plot here. Have I said goodbye to you, PJ? I'm not sure if I have, have I? But yes, I am... Yes, sir. Oh, is that everybody then? Yeah, I think so. Ah, right. Oh, well, so once again, thank you very much to everybody. And don't forget, um, still a week left to enter the competition. I'm going to bring that up here. I'll play us out with a few more of our fabulous theme tunes. Uh, we're now up to 19 in total, which is astonishing. It's going to be a very, very difficult choice, I think, uh, for us to do it. So I'll just play, out, play us out with a few. And um, we'll say goodbye to everybody in the chat room. And everybody out there listening, thank you very much.